I want to share a standalone sermon this morning that God has laid on my heart. The title of the sermon is Child Disciples. Child Disciples. And yes, those two words do go together. As you've been hearing this past week, uh, several of us have been endeavoring to reach children with the gospel and to help them to understand God's love for them through his word, the Bible. And we've had a wonderful week. And I hope it's a precursor, a a launching pad for even more effective ministry to children through the life and ministries of our church in the days ahead. I want to take you to a passage in Matthew chapter 19, a familiar passage to many of us, Matthew 19, verse 13 to 15. Let's hear the word of God. Matthew 19, 13 to 15. Then little children were brought to him, Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. As you would know, I hope our mission as a church is to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And of course, that includes fully committed followers of Jesus Christ who are believing children. Being a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, is not limited to a certain age. <laughs> you don't have to be a teenager or, or a young adult or adult or a senior to be a fully committed follower of Jesus. You could be a committed follower of Jesus as a very young converted child. Put another way, Christ's disciples come in all ages. Children can become disciples of Jesus. It is our sanctified ambition as a church to reach our neighborhood children with the gospel so they would meet Christ, they would trust Christ, and they would follow Christ. And we accept our Lord's challenge to bring children to him. Again, Matthew 19, 13 to 15, then little children. If I wrote in my Bible, I would underline little Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. They were probably very surprised when Jesus said of little children, of such is the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Probably pretty startled by that. You know, there's a hunger for the Bible within many of the children of Bahamaland. But many of these children, sad to say, are being brought up in a corrupt society without the Bible being shared with them to see them through safely. So what can we do to protect the children of our assembly? And what can we do to protect the children who are outside of our assembly? Well, we can do what the parents did in the verses I've just read. We can bring... (laughs) all the little children to Jesus. That was the Jewish custom. Parents brought their young children to the elders of the synagogue so that the elders would lay hands on the children and pray God's blessing upon the little children. And here in our verses, parents of children and others perhaps who cared about children brought those children to Jesus. But unfortunately, Jesus' disciples tried to get in the way. They tried to block these parents. They tried to prevent the friends of these children 
from getting those children to the Lord. Take your children away. Jesus is too busy talking with adults to talk to children, your children. You know, they acted as though they were a personal assistant to the chief executive officer of some big corporation, guarding the door into Jesus' presence because Jesus was too busy with more important things than to entertain children. That's what they thought. Back then, when Jesus was on earth, children were second-class citizens, and so were the blind, and so were the deaf, and so were the lepers, and the handicapped, and the mentally retarded, and all women and all children were second-class citizens when Jesus was on earth. So wrong. But Jesus overruled the disciples, and he opened wide his arms and lovingly invited the children, the little children, to come to him. And the Lord corrected his disciples with a few words that were hard-hitting. In Matthew 19, verse 14, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, and looked at the little children. Think of it. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the second class. The so-called unimportant. Ah, because to Jesus, everyone is important. Everyone is made in God's image. Everyone who is willing may come to Christ for salvation. Everyone is important to God. Little children may be unimportant to some big people, but they are never unimportant to God. And little children can come to the Lord Jesus. They can understand the gospel. They can have saving faith in Christ. They can be converted. They can be born again. Little children can have their sins forgiven. They can be inhabited and dwelt by the Holy Spirit after conversion. Little children can begin in their own ways to fully follow Jesus. And little children can tell other little children about Jesus. Jesus actually called for childlike faith in himself when he taught about who would be the greatest in the coming kingdom. Matthew 18 one to five. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Maybe you've wondered that too. Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, humbles himself, as this little child being cited as an example by the Lord Jesus, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child in my name receives me. During our Lord's earthly ministry, 
there were little ones who were numbered among all of the other believers in Christ. And so it was in the early church. Ephesians 6, verse 1, children, the Greek word is technoi, the word reserved for little children, young children. The letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter 6, verse 1, little children, obey your parents in the Lord. You're only able to obey your parents because you're in the Lord. Right at the church of Ephesus, little children in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. The believing child's obedience to parents was to be an obedience which was rooted in depending on the believing child's Lord and Savior. Colossians 3.20, church at Colossae, had little children believing in Jesus in that church. Children, same word, technoi. Little children, very young children. Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. The believing child in Colossae, that believing child's obedience to that believing child's parents was pointed out by this verse as being pleasing to the believing child's Lord. As believers, these young children in Ephesus and Colossae were able to obey their parents. These young, believing children were in fellowship with other older believers in the particular local assemblies they were a part of. And accordingly, (laughs) those little children were not the future church. They were a very important part of the then-present church. There's reason to believe that these young, believing children were water baptized as believers and present even at the Lord's Supper. These little children who believed in Jesus were functioning parts of the body of Christ. They were functioning parts of the fellowship of the redeemed. They were functioning parts of the family of God, even as little children. And then when you survey the history of the church, you find that the very same thing is true. When it was time for Bishop Polycarp to be martyred for his faith in Christ, he testified that he had served the Lord Jesus 86 years, and the Lord Jesus had never done him wrong. That testimony has to imply that Polycarp became a believer in the Lord Jesus and a servant of the Lord Jesus as a very young child. Well, there's more. During the Reformation, when Martin Luther was discouraged, he turned to his friend Philip Melanchthon and said, Be of good cheer, Melanchthon. The children are praying. So Luther said, there are also marvelous testimonies of young children being genuinely, genuinely rather, converted in the 16th century, 17th century, 18th century, and 19th centuries. For example, 
1859, a young American named Payson Hammond had gone from the 1857 revival in Chicago area to Edinburgh, Scotland for further education. When the 1859 revival broke out in Edinburgh and throughout Scotland, Payson Hammond was one of the preachers. One night, he was preaching to adults in a church in Musselburgh, which is just east of Edinburgh. And after the service, he came back to one of the rooms where he had left his overcoat. He found the door was closed. He slightly opened the door and discovered that there was a prayer meeting going on. It was a children's prayer meeting. They say that one of the marks of the 1859 revival, even in other Scottish revivals which preceded it, they say that in the, one of the marks of the 1859 revival during the time of George Whitfield was that there was a great movement of prayer among the boys and the girls. There was a very effective movement of prayer by the children all over the parts of Scotland. The young 29-year-old American Payson Hammond heard from the doorway a very young girl pouring out her heart to God in prayer. And with tears running down his cheeks, he said, this is regeneration. This little girl has been born again by the Holy Spirit. And that night, the Lord impressed a question upon Peyton Hammond's heart, and it was this. Why are you spending all your time amongst adults? You need to be with the boys and girls. And it was that night that Payson Hammond promised God that he would spend his time with boys and girls, evangelizing them. And he did with great effect. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, was a great evangelist to children. In one sermon, Spurgeon said, quote, a child of five, if properly instructed, can be as easily regenerated as any adult. The quote again, Spurgeon, a child of five, if properly instructed, can be as easily regenerated as any adult, end quote. Well, that particular sermon of Mr. Spurgeon was printed and it made its way all around the world. And years later, the printed sermon fell into the hands of a fruit farmer in the San Francisco, California area. This particular fruit farmer was also a pastor of one of the local churches there. This man loved all of Spurgeon's sermons, but this sermon about a five-year-old being regenerate did not sit well with him at all. A child of five, if properly instructed, can be easily, as easily regenerated as any adult. No, Mr. Spurgeon. No, you're wrong. You see, that farmer pastor was part of a denomination that taught that no one under the age of 12 could be taught about sin and about the atoning death of the Lord Jesus. I wonder how they arrived at 12. Anyway, the farmer pastor decided to experiment. He would have lost his job as pastoring if he shared the gospel with any of his church's Sunday school children. Isn't that a travesty? That was a real no-no. So privately, he spoke to some children who weren't in his church. He spoke to a nine-year-old boy, and he found out that that particular nine-year-old had just been waiting for someone to lead him to Christ. 
and he told the believing boy not to tell anyone. Then the pastor met a young girl named Ruby, and she wasn't part of his church either. And he asked, Ruby, are you saved? No, Mr. Overholzer, I'm not saved. Ruby, what do you think you have to do to be saved? Oh, be awful good. How awful good? Awful, awful, awful good. But Ruby, I'm not awful, awful, awful good. Her eyes went wide as saucers to think that a pastor wasn't awful, awful, awful good. Pastor Overholzer explained to Jude, Ruby, excuse me, you don't become a Christian by being awful, awful, awful good. Nobody is that. The Bible says that none are righteous. No, not one. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then he explained to Ruby how a person is saved through Jesus Christ because God loved Ruby so much that he gave his only son Jesus to take the judgment which Ruby deserved by dying on the cross for Ruby. And Ruby saw it. And Ruby believed it. And then Pastor Overholzel said, Ruby, don't say a word about any of this to anybody. Sad. Later, Pastor Overholzer shared the gospel with twin girls. They were quite young. Their father was an atheist, doesn't believe there's a God, and their mother was an agnostic, doubted that there is a God. Both of the twins were converted by believing on the Lord Jesus. Some days later, their mother came to Pastor Overholzer and said, what's happened to my two girls? I want it. It was then that Pastor Overholzer concluded that his experiment was over. And he faced the elders of his church that he pastored. And he said, brethren, I have something to say to you. I know that in this church we don't believe in child conversions, but let me tell you what's happening in this town. And he did. Will you give me permission to talk to the children in our own Sunday school? The elders granted that permission, and the Lord did a very gracious work. There was a harvest of children's souls. Many church boys and girls were converted. Pastor Overholzer reported, quote, What a joy it was to bring to Christ and his salvation, to bring children to Christ and his salvation. Based on his finished work on the cross, he took our place in judgment so that we would share his place in bliss, end of quote. That was Pastor Irvin Overholzer who founded Child Evangelism Fellowship in 1937. CEF was reaching children in 17 countries by the time that Pastor Overholzer went to be with Jesus. But now, Child Evangelism ministers in 25 countries. And in 19, or excuse me, 2022, CEF worldwide reached 19.5 million children. Children can be converted. The evidence is absolutely indisputable. And little children, young children, can be converted. Count Nicholas Zinzendorf, the father of modern missions, he fathered modern missions 60 years prior to William Carey. Count Nicholas Zinzendorf was the bishop of the Moravian Church. 
He was born again at the tender age of four. I was saved at the tender age of four and a half through a child evangelism club in my own garage. As a tiny tot, going back to Zinzendorf, as a tiny tot because of the privilege of being nobility, he knew how to print, and he printed such a sweet letter at that time, quote, Lord Jesus, please be mine, and I will be thine. And Count Zinzendorf's redeemed life demonstrated that he was in fact regenerated at four years of age. Jonathan Edwards was a very careful observer of the working of the Holy Spirit in persons' lives of all ages. And he was not given quickly to say that any person was converted. But Jonathan Edwards, speaking of the revival in Northampton, talked of a girl of four years of age who professed conversion faith in the Lord Jesus. He watched her carefully, very carefully, and he saw that God's work in her life had actually been done when she was four years old. That woman lived on into her 80s, glowing bright for the Savior all her days. Dr. Gerald Griffiths pastored the downtown Toronto congregation of the Associated Gospel Churches of Canada denomination, That was the denomination I served Jesus with for my first 20 years of pastoral ministry. So I met Dr. Gerald Griffiths. And I personally heard him relay this true story. When he was in the pulpit of our church preaching to an anniversary Sunday congregation, Dr. Griffiths told us that in his study there was a room in his, excuse me, that in his home there was a room that he treated as his study. And on one occasion, he went there after a meal to work. And he overheard his very, very young daughter tell a visitor, my daddy is a pastor, and he's going to preach this Sunday. He goes in there because he's wanting to be blessed by Jesus. He's going in there because he wants to be blessed by Jesus. Dr. Griffiths was very touched by his little daughter's words and insight because that's exactly what any pastor should do whenever he goes into his study. Go in there to be blessed by Jesus. Waiting to be blessed by Jesus. Later, Pastor Gerald told his wife Kitty about what their little child had said about him going to the study, and he wanted to know from Kitty, how in the world could she know that I was going in there to wait to be blessed by Jesus? Wife Kitty reminded did her husband, that she often sang a song to their wee little daughter, and the song went like this. Listen to the voice of Jesus, oh how sweet, as the little children gather round his feet. Little ones to his knees are climbing there to rest. Older ones stand round him waiting to be blessed. Pastor Gerald readily agreed that he was one of the older ones that was waiting to be blessed by Jesus every week to write a sermon. Then Dr. Gerald Griffiths told us how old their daughter was when that happened, when she said that to the visitor. You ready? He wrote it down so he would have it right. His daughter was two years old in three months when she said he goes in there 
waiting to be blessed by Jesus. You know, too often we underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of little children. I mean, very little children. If they are properly instructed by Bible stories and hymns of the faith and by age-appropriate conversations, very, very little children can understand and respond to the gospel. Do you believe that? Boy, that was weak. Do you believe that? That very, very little children can believe on Jesus and be saved. They can. Children can be converted. And we need to pray that our children will be converted very, very young. Because with the television and the internet, children are deprived of their innocence very, very young. And so as soon as possible... Get the message of the gospel and the stories of the Bible and the hymns of the faith to your little children. Children can be converted. And they were bringing little children to Jesus. Are we doing that? Is it possibly true that Calvary Bible Church, to some measure, is guilty of doing what Jesus' disciples did? Take them away. They're not so important. It's adults the church has to get to. Get to the children. I thank God that our church has had a great history of getting the gospel to children, even very little children. Our Awana clubs were the first to be chartered in any country other than America, our club. And so, of course, we were the very first Awana club in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. And back in the day, our Awana clubs reached hundreds of kids for many years. Hundreds of kids would come out on club night. Art Rohrheim, who founded Awana when he came to visit the clubs, Awana clubs of Calvary Bible Church, said to the leaders of our church, that is the finest run Awana club I've ever seen. To God be the glory. Calvary Bible Church has a great history of getting the gospel to children. May our very best communicators take the very best gospel and good news to the children of our Sunday school and of our Awana clubs. And please, may our professional public and private school teachers who have been well-trained to effectively teach children not say, I teach children all week. I won't on Sunday morning or on Tuesday night. That's your training. That's your talent. That's your gift. Children, starting from the earliest of ages, reach them. Teach them. Mostly teach them inside their Christian homes, but also teach them in this church's setting. Reach them. Teach them. Don't give up on reaching children in our government schools. The doors are still open. Not in Canada. Not in America. But the doors in our public government schools are still open to Christians. Open to the Bible. Open to the gospel. The Fact Club, Centerville Primary School, just up the street on Collins, has invited us again to send men to their school. They have one teacher on their faculty who is male. 
All the other teachers are female. The principal's female. The vice principal's female. The security guard is female. The janitor, this janitress is female. We love females. But these children need to see believing men as well. You can speak to Pastor Farkerson or me if you want to go once a month, Centerville Primary, to have a ministry with young children. There was a gospel preacher who was preaching outdoors in Hyde Park, London, England. And he observed a loud child fussing with its young mother. And he called out to her, Madam, I don't suppose you'd part with him for a million pounds. No, I wouldn't. But I gladly lend him to you for an hour now. (laughs) All around us, every day, there are worn out mothers and worn out grandmothers who would gladly loan their children to Calvary Bible Church on Tuesday evenings and Sunday mornings to get a break. And something else. Christian parent here today, are you scared about sending your child into a world that is so messed up? Unchurched, in some cases unsaved, parents are just as scared as you are. Even the unchurched and the unsaved know what time it is. Time for their children to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and to trust Jesus. Here's the thing. It's a great thing. Here's the thing. Once the message gets out through the grapevine, that Calvary Bible Church is crazy about kids, and that Calvary Bible Church loves kids, and kids are safe here and special in the eyes of our members and attenders here, when that word gets out, then parents and grandparents will bring their little children to our church again. They will send their little children to our church again like they did all those years back with hundreds of kids in Iwana. And our hallways and our classrooms and our auditorium, which are generally deafeningly silent and unused, and our outdoor volleyball and basketball courts Our hallways and our classrooms and our auditorium and our outdoor volleyball and basketball courts will hear again the precious sounds of children, little children. We must reach children. Do you know that every Sunday morning on ZNS AM 1540, that our church's weekly radio program has a segment every week of a continuing, exciting story For children, Ingrid Knowles tells the story on the radio. She's a magnificent storyteller. Thank her next time you see her for having that ministry with the children on the radio. Spread the word. 7.30, around uh, 7.40, Spread the word. Turn into that radio station, and there's a story for children every week that continues. Spread the word. It's another way to reach children. Other ways to reach them are available too. Uh, Five-day clubs like we've just finished. I hope that's not the last five-day clubs we'll offer. Camp Bahamas, Sunday School, Awana Clubs, the Gems Ministry to Girls. What a beautiful ministry that is. 
to teach girls how to love Jesus, how to fully follow him, how to have some domestic skills that are going to be useful down the road. Sister Priscilla Murphy and her team do an excellent job. There's a waiting list for girls to get into gems. God willing, as I've been saying, our Awana clubs will restart on September 12th. On your way out today, you can get some of these flyers if you promise to give them out and not just take them and throw them away. And you can give these flyers out to parents and grandparents and guardians and to children to invite them back to Awana on September 12th. We'll meet every Tuesday, 6 to 8 p.m., in the Earl Weech Auditorium for ages, children age 5 through 17. We have 31 people signed up to be leaders in Awana. That's great. We need 19 more. Is God touching you on the heart? Don't have another ministry in our church? Love children? Volunteer. Phone the church. We have 31 workers. We need 19 more. We need 50 workers. God will supply. Especially we need men. You can listen to scripture verses that children have memorized in Awana. And the persons doing that role don't have to stay the whole two hours. You can come in for a certain time period within the two hours, listen to children say their Bible memory verses, and then if you have to go, you can go. All hands on deck. Let's put hands and feet and prayer to this sermon. We must reach the children. We must teach the children. We must beseech God for the children. Intercessory prayer. And we must beseech the children themselves to trust Jesus for their salvation. And when beseeching the children to trust the Lord Jesus for salvation, we must do it gently. And the younger the child is, the more gentle our approach must be. To reach children, we must have a burden to pray for children. Spurgeon brought the fathers of his 5,000-person congregation in London in on Saturday mornings to pray for the conversions of their children. Couldn't we regularly do that in the same kind of prayer in our small groups? That every time a small group meets, part of the prayer time is to pray for the conversion of children. The children of those present in that small group, but the children beyond those children in the community. We pray for the sick, we should. We need to pray for the conversion of children, we should. When we pray, God will show us how to reach boys and girls because prayer produces vision. To have a vision as to how to reach children, we must pray for the reaching of children. Lamentations 2, verse 19 from the Amplified Bible. Arise, cry aloud in the night. At the beginning of the night, watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the life of your little ones who are faint from hunger at the head of every street. Pick any street in our city. 
the impoverished neighborhood and the affluent neighborhood. Pick any street in our city. And if you look carefully enough, you will see little ones who are faint from a hunger for God and from a hunger for the Bible. And then bring those little ones to Christ because with him, they will be safe and satisfied and his servants for time and for eternity. Please stand with me. I'm going to repeat the prayer of Lamentations 2.19, and if you want to make that your prayer, don't look who's looking at you on the right or the left. If you want to make the prayer of Lamentations 2.19 your prayer, join me as I make it my prayer by lifting my hands to God. Arise. Cry aloud in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands for the life of your little ones who are faint from hunger at the head of every street. Lord, hear our prayers. Save our children. Help us to teach them to fully follow Jesus. And we pray this earnestly, knowing we're praying your will. Amen.